time, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com, and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365, for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Well, welcome back to Northwest Prime. I am your host, Lori Ness, and today my guest is David Bash, and David is the founder of International Pop Overthrow. Over 16 years ago, it started in Los Angeles. It's now in cities all around the world, and chances are they're coming to a city near you. So thank you, David, for coming on. Lori, thank you very much for having me. So over 16 years ago, you started in Los Angeles. This has just snowballed into one of the great music festivals going out there. How did you get here? How did I get to uh, Seattle, is what you're asking? (laughs) Well, no. How did it it get this big? Oh, well, there was kind of a demand for it. Uh, For the first four years, we did the festival exclusively in Los Angeles, and, you know, we had bands traveling in from all around the country, not to mention all around the world. But eventually the bands, you know, got, well, I think the, exp- the expense of traveling to L.A. every year start start to become prohibitive, and they they urged me to take the festival out on the road. And um, I had some trepidation at the time, but... They they calmed me down a bit, and um, in 2001, we brought it to New York, and it went really well. And then in 2002, we brought it to Chicago, and that went really well. And we just kept adding cities as the years went on, um, some of which worked well and some of which haven't. Um, I'm proud to say that we just finished our 11th year in Liverpool at the world-famous Cavern Club, which is an amazing experience. Um, And this will be our seventh uh, international pop overthrow in Seattle. Yeah, that's that's great because Seattle's such a a music loving city, um, and you know, and it's probably like that in a lot of cities. I, I'm from the Los Angeles area too, so I know there's a big demand for music in Los Angeles. I was a little out of the loop when I came to Seattle and I saw what a great music community. I just didn't have any idea. I guess because I had blinders on in Los Angeles. But are are, are you seeing that same music loving influence city after city that you're going to? Every city has has its own uh, has its own kind of scene. Um, with each scene maybe emphasizing a different a different subgenre of pop music. Um, there's there's camaraderie everywhere. There are definitely bands who support each other. Um, there's always good melodic music in you know every city around. You know the the key for me as to whether or not I'm going to choose to do a festival in that city is how many local bands that fall within our framework. Uh, are there in that city? Um, how many are willing to play? Um, if there's enough for two, three, four nights, we'll, we'll certainly do a festival there. Can, can a band hop on to more than one festival? Like say that there's a band in Seattle, but they want to go with you to Chicago, or, or or do you try to keep it local? For the most part, I keep it local, um, other than Liverpool, where bands from all over the world come in because they want to play at the Cavern Club. But having said that, um, we had one artist, Dave Rave, uh, who's from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, actually a multiple Grammy nominee. He played 
50 international pop overthrow festivals in a row. He followed me all around the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., um, starting in April of 2010 and finally breaking his three um, in uh, May of, of this year. Um, that's obviously unusual, and I still don't know how he, he's able to do it. But there are some bands who definitely uh, want to come to other cities um, to experience them. Maybe they have a fan base there. So I often get asked if, if that's a possibility. And if I really like the band and I think they'll go over in that particular city, I'll I'll usually accept their request. Um, what's your process for choosing bands, David? Mostly going online, um, checking on Reverb Nation, Bandcamp, Facebook, um, SoundCloud sometimes. Um, just doing doing um, targeted searches for um, particular regions and particular genres. Uh, it's a lot of work, and um, my girlfriend helps me quite a bit in doing that. Um, and, and you know, her, na her name's Rena, and she's wonderful, and <laughs> I would just have to give her a prop. But um, yeah, absolutely. It's really a lot of it's a lot of work. You have to go through a lot of bands that that either aren't up to up to par or aren't really right for what we're doing to find the ones that are. In the past, you know, prior to when band when every band had a website and or had music up on their website, I would hear a lot more from bands. They used to be a lot more proactive. Um, now, because everybody has a site on which there you can find their music. I think bands have become a lot more lax, which in general is probably hurting them. Um, in the case of the festival, we're still going to go out and be proactive ourselves and find the, find those bands. Um, so, but because of all of that, I don't hear from as many bands requesting to play the festival as I used to, just simply because I get there first and I, and I find mm -hmm. them before they find me. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm yeah, I I think that this is something new that, that bands are still kind of struggling with, the marketing aspect for, for themselves. Uh, social media has just changed up the game so much. There's so much going on in the record industry right now. Radio, the record industry, it's kind of all topsy-turvy. So it's, it, it is kind of a discombobulated mess for everything at this, at, at, you know, right now. It kind of hasn't found its way yet. No, it, it really hasn't. I mean, there's been... There have been so many changes, so many paradigm shifts in the industry. Um, people, you know, fans are, fine, are, are, and I'm not saying all fans are, are, are this way, but a, a lot of them are going to eventually realize that they have to become much more proactive again. They have to, they have to be aggressive in contacting venues, um, in, 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 in finding places to play. Um, you know, people, most people aren't going to go look for them. You know, just because you have a you know a fancy Facebook page and uh, a, a you know a page with a lot of songs on it doesn't mean that people are going to find you. Um, you you've I gotta, completely you gotta agree. Really look. You got to really look. I Eventually, that's going to yeah. happen. You are right on with that, and that's why this uh, the uh, IPO, the International Pop Overthrow, is such a very good opportunity if they could be exposed um, on this level. Um, now, it, it says international pop overthrow, but, but is it? You mentioned more genres of music. It's more than just pop. Well, it's all it's all melodic rock and roll. Let's say. I mean, and pop is such a nebulous term anyway. Uh, for, mm -hmm. for me and for people in that circle, 
you know, pop is generally music that's influenced by the 60s and 70s, uh, but not necessarily sounding like it's from there. In other words, you know, songs with verses, choruses, strong hooks, um, harmonies often, um, just really hummable melodies that stick in your head. Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, pure pop. It can be, you know, garage rock. It can be indie rock. It can be singer-songwriter. You know, it can it can be modern rock. It can be all kinds of subgenres. But as long as it has that melodic integrity and um, and songs that 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 remain in your head, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna want it at the festival. Mm-hmm. Did Did you mostly deal with un, unsigned and and indie artists? Yeah, almost exclusively. Um, you know. Uh, most signed artists don't really need the kind of exposure that we're that we're providing. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that they're much more it's much more difficult to get them to want to play um, under the conditions of the festival. So, not too many unsigned, uh, not too many signed bands, I should say. It's mostly you know unsigned indie bands who are looking for exposure and are looking to play on bills with other bands that they'll find to be compatible. You know, obviously mm-hmm. when bands get booked at clubs. It's the luck of the draw, and you might have a pop band just booked on the same bill with a death metal band and a country band. I mean, clubs like to do that because they want to have three separate audiences, um, you know, who come in and out. They they get more, they get a bigger bar that way. Um, for us, we want to have we want to have cohesive lineups with, with with you know so that the people who come with, will like most of what they see and hear, and the bands themselves will you know find some camaraderie. Maybe they'll end up, you know, meeting each other and, and, you know, creating shows, start, you know, start booking things together. I love seeing that happen, and it happens very often at IPO. Mhm. Yeah. Um. The the, the, the Seattle uh, show that's going to be this weekend. What's it going to look like? It and and is it pretty typical of of, of a regular show? Because we're we're, we're kind of heard all around the world, and so I, I think by us describing what happens at the Seattle show, is, is that pretty much what what, what they're going to see? Uh, other than local artists, does it pretty much run the same way? Yeah, I mean, most in most of the cities, it's, it's a lineup of of six or seven bands on each bill playing 30-minute sets, um, mostly local. Uh, again, all melodic rock and roll in, in one form or another. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd say what people are seeing in Seattle would be similar to what they would see in, in most other cities. Again, Liverpool, you know, being the exception because... It's at the Cavern Club where the Beatles made their name. So you have fans who want to fly in from all over the world to play. Um, the cool thing is the Cavern is the draw itself. So we don't really have to worry about the band being local and bringing their own crowd because the Cavern brings its own crowd. And uh, when they see, when they walk by, because there's a lot of foot traffic there, when they walk by and they see the, uh, the placards that we have listing the names of the bands and where they're from, it looks like such an exotic festival that they all want to come down and check it out. So that's the one place where it's a little bit different. But everywhere else, including Seattle, it's, it's basically a lineup of six or seven bands per night, mostly local, you know, doing melodic rock and roll. Well, you guys are in Phoenix, Detroit, Nashville, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, of course, San Francisco, Portland, which is another great music city. 
Seattle, Vancouver, Austin, another great music city, Atlanta. Um, so you're, you're hitting all the hotbeds where, where people are known, Nashville, you know, where they're Detroit, where they're really known for just really loving and drawing music lovers to those cities as well. Yeah, I mean, as I said, that's really what, what's key, that um, you, you find a good music city with a healthy scene which, which can support two or three or four or more nights. Um, for example, Chicago, we do 10 nights and 13 shows. Uh, we do the same in Los Angeles because they have really, re- really healthy uh, scenes of pop bands. Um, other cities, being a little smaller, um, don't have quite as many bands. But, you know, Seattle is, has enough for three very strong nights, and um, that, that's good enough for me. Right, right. So uh, you, you guys start Thursday. You go Thursday, Friday, and all all day, all 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 day Saturday in in Seattle. Actually, it's just the evening on Saturday as well. The shows start okay. at seven thirty, and uh, they'll uh, Thursday the last band is on at eleven fifteen, and Friday and Saturday the last band is on at midnight. Okay, it looks like it costs ten dollars to get in, which is really great for six bands. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think so, and that's why I urge people, I mean, a lot of people who come to the shows, you know, come to see the one band that they know and love, and I want to urge people to come early um, for, for two reasons. One, it's always good to support the other bands on the bill. I think that's important. The other reason is, you know, these people, will, will they're apt to like a lot of the other bands as well, so... You know, again, this isn't just some random bill that a band is on. This is a this is a, a, a unified bill of, of melodic rock and roll. So, you yeah. know, I, if, yeah. you're list, if you're listening and you're planning to just come to see the one band that you know, I, I suggest you come early and and, and ch- check out the other ones. You won't be disappointed. I, I completely agree because, um, for one thing, what I notice is um, a lot of these bands that you have on the bill. They also support each other, and you know when a band is good when the other musicians turn out to listen to those musicians. And I've seen these musicians at other musicians' concerts. So when other musicians appreciate what's playing, you need to get there too, because I always love to see other musicians show up. Um, I always know I'm I'm I'm, I'm at a, a good concert when I see that happen. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, that that is certainly a litmus test, and another another litmus test. For I think the success of what what we're doing is that I often get complimented by sound engineers. At the end of the night, they'll tell me, "Man, that lineup of bands you had tonight was amazing." And you know, sound engineers see hundreds and hundreds of bands every year, um, so they know you know they know what's good and what's not. And um, so invariably, you'll get complimented um, by uh, by the engineers as to how good these bands are. And that, that's very gratifying to me because that's how, you know, as I said, that's a litmus test. That's how you know. You know they're not, they're not flat-handing you like some people might in a, in a, in a crowd. Um, they're, they're, telling you, they're telling you like it is, and, um, you know, we appreciate that. Well, sound is everything, everything, and it makes a huge difference. I just saw a major band about two weeks ago, and they – it was horrible what happened. I don't think they had any control over it because they had come into a venue and the sound was just it was just devastating. We, you know, we all felt bad for what was going on. So 
found is a huge, huge thing. And a lot of times the band, you know, don't don't have control over those those type of things. You know, they were trying to fix things as quick as they could, but you know, just uh, <laughs> it, it can really take the magic out of the night if the sound isn't right. Unless unless the band has their own engineer, which some do, um, they have no control over it. And even if they do have their own engineer, that engineer is still limited to whatever equipment is at the club. If, you know, if the monitor system is bad or if the sound board is is ineffective, um, you know, you, you know, even you know Moses couldn't couldn't perform any miracles on it. So it's, exactly. You know, so yeah, that, uh, for the most part, bands are at the mercy of whatever sound equipment is is in the club, and you know, of course, if they're not using their own engineer, then they're also at the mercy of of the skill level of the engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really great to have that kind of compliment on on your sound, so people won't have to to worry about that at all. Of course, I didn't think I had to worry about it with this particular band that we went and saw either, but I I, I do feel like it was out of their their control, but. Um, that particular night, but you can go see really great bands and have sound issues. So, so when you're coming to this festival and you're getting compliments, compliments, compliments out of your sound, then you know you guys are doing it right. Well, I, I was I was actually referring to the sound engineers, sound engineers complimenting the bands on their skill level, so telling oh, okay. you that these bands are yeah these bands are much better than uh, than the run of the mill bands that they that they mix you know night after night. And I find that mm-hmm. very gratifying because they see so many bands in, in, during the course of a year that they know what's good and what's not. Well, well, I, I can tell right by the lineup that you have going in Seattle that that these are, you know, these are working bands. These just aren't people who just threw something together to jump onto your festival. These are working bands. I mean, they're doing this for a living, and they're very skilled, and they have a following, and, and they all have a, a, a great sound. So, in fact, I'm going to play one of the bands um, before we leave here, which is Sea of Misinformation, which has a wonderful reputation here in Seattle. We expect big things from them. And, and I'm sure you see that, you know, festival after festival. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only that, but Sea the, the of Information are, are really cool people. Ryan is always a uh, commenting on my Facebook page and doing his best to promote the show. So I'm really looking forward to meeting them and, and certainly hearing them play. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we'll try to get as many people out there as we can um, to support great music. In, in Seattle, people always want to do that anyway. And um, so this is just a, another great venue that you're putting a lot of great acts under one roof, make it really easy for people to get out and experience great music. So thank you, David, and we will continue to get the word out on that. And I'm going to play, um, I'm going to play David's sea uh, uh, of misinformation as we leave here today. Oh, cool. Well, definitely say hello to the guys, um, and uh, thank you very, very much for having me on your program, Lori, and um, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see you there. Okay, sounds good. All right, David, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right, that was David Bass. He's the founder of the International Pop Overthrow Festival. It's going to be in Seattle starting Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And it's also coming to a city near you. So if you miss the one in Seattle, you can hop on. It's all around the world. You can go to International Pop Overthrow 
www.thebandsofsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoulsoul